0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Do you need new clothes? If you're like me, then you certainly do. Anti-Forever USA is where you need to be to get those clothes. They got everything from hats and beanies to t-shirts and long sleeves to hoodies and windbreakers with more clothing coming soon. My listeners get 10% off using the promo code Platte. That's P-L-A-T-T-E. The P is capital. Link is in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti-Forever USA today. And welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I am your host, Chris Platty, and this is going to be an interesting podcast. It's a solo podcast, but I really think it's going to be one of the best shows I've ever done. Um, I decided to do a fan Q and A for the first time. You know, now that I'm starting to get uh, fans messaging me on all sorts of platforms and everything, and friends, friends uh, participate a lot in this in this fan Q and A as well. And so I decided to open up do my first ever Q&A because I didn't really have anything to talk about in the NBA right now. It's kind of it's kind of a, a a point where we're all just it's it's a stall. Like it's just a drag to get to the playoffs and everybody's everybody's trying to ramp up for the playoffs, but it's a little too early to ramp up for the playoffs. So, um I just actually wanted to start before I get to the fan q and I wanted to open with this whole NBA rest issue. And you know, I, I I got the topic from talking to my uncle, and he's he's one of he's one of the best people I know to talk hoops with. And so you know he's from he's from that old school era, and so you know he's going off about the rest saying you know uh, players players got to play and all that stuff, and and that you know if the fa- if the players don't play, it, it shows the teams don't care. Why should I care about watching that game? And I'll get to that point in a minute, but first let me just break down some numbers to you. So the Warriors came off 8 games in 11 nights, covering the East, West, and Central time zones. Traveling back and forth between all of those time zones in 11 nights. Playing 8 games is a lot. And a stat that I came across when when researching for this was a very, very interesting stat. So Utah School of Medicine study, they had a a research and they wrote a report that said players are 3.5 times more likely to get injured on a back-to-back than a regular game. That number is staggering. And so it shows that, and I'm sure that they don't have, they don't really have an advanced number for, you know, eight games and 11 nights, but eight games and 11 nights traveling a bunch of uh, different time zones and and fl- flying back and forth between all these different time zones, cities, all that stuff, that's... I I would imagine those numbers are even are even higher in that in that circumstance. So that that's one of my defenses for it. Also, there's this response. You know, the first the first thing is well, back in the 80s and 90s, people people played every game. Yeah, and look how those players are now. They're physically broken by age 35 to 40. And also, those NBA players didn't train year round like like this year, like today's NBA players do. NBA players train year-round now. They're not smoking cigars in practice or drinking all off-season. They get like one to two months off, and then it's back to the grind. It's back to training. Also, let's not act like NBA stars being injured is this new thing, like it never happened in the 80s and 90s. Let's not act like John Stockton, who played 82 games in 16 of his seasons. Let's not act like that's the norm. That's not normal. LeBron is the closest guy to doing that. Um, also, also, Malone was very. His teammate Carl Malone was also one of the uh, most consistent and durable players in the league too. Part of the reason why the Jazz were so great for for all that span. Uh, but, anyways, let's let's look at let's look at this. What about David Robinson, Dominique Wilkins, Larry Bird, Magic, Isaiah, MJ? These guys got hurt too. Isaiah tore his Achilles at age 29 and was never the same. You know, Proper rest could have helped that. I mean, to this day, we're seeing players recover. And, you know, Brandon Jennings is a recent uh, Achilles tear that comes to mind. And he isn't exactly the same. Same with Wes Matthews. They're not the same player. I'm not saying that, you know, that Isaiah would be the same player in today's era. But the rest could have helped that. The rest could have prevented that from... Happening or at least prolonged it. And MJ didn't get. A, a, act like MJ didn't get hurt either. This guy. This guy had to retire. He played so much that he had to retire at age 30. All I'm saying is. An off night on a back to back. From Portland to Denver. Could have helped. It could have helped his durability. And. Uh, does it suck for fans? Of course. It, it's It sucks for fans. I feel bad for the fans. I've also been on the side of. You know if you're gonna rest a player try and rest them at a home game but you know back-to-back sometimes a lot of times are back-to-backs are on the road both games so you don't um so it's not it's not smart to necessarily um or it's not ideal for them to necessarily uh rest their player then in in that situation if they're at home because most of the time you also have a break at home too um so so that's one that's one thing i do feel bad for the casual nba or for the nba fan of that city coming to see a player that plays once a year like a steph curry although it was san antonio it wasn't an eastern conference team so there's that level to it too um but regardless regardless when a when a guy like curry comes to town and you know there's the eight ten year old kid who wants to see them play you know i i feel bad for that but as an average nba fan would you rather be healthier in march or in February or March, or April, May, and June. I would much rather see the players the healthiest they can be in the playoffs than in a random game in March, no offense. But I would much rather see the players fully healthy. Like, uh, last year, I truly believed that Steph wasn't healthy in the finals. And, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But the finals could have gone a different way had he been healthy had he maybe rested more? Had the Warriors not chased seventy three wins? Uh, there, there's definitely that underlying story, and so, so to me, to me, I, I just much rather would prefer to see a team fully healthy in April rather than in April, May, June than just February or March. Uh, last thing my uncle said, and I started with this, saying that you know, um, if the if the player, It shows that the teams don't care, so why should I care and why should I watch? My response is simply, you don't have to. There's a ton of NBA games. You don't have to care about a random game in March. Don't you want to see the best playoff basketball possible? I know I certainly do. I want to see the best playoff basketball possible. I want to see everybody at their complete healthiest it can possibly be. And so if that means they have to take one night off or... A few nights off in in an 82 game season. If that means they play 70 games instead of 82 games, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. Uh, I'm not the biggest advocator of rest, but to me the logic just makes sense. Uh, the logic just makes sense, you know. And uh, sometimes you have to take that gamble. You're not gonna please everybody because if you're playing if you're playing Curry 40 minutes in a random game in Denver on a back to back and he gets hurt and he's not in the playoffs anymore or Kevin Durant his injury let's say it occurred a few weeks later and he missed some of the playoffs. Uh how would you feel about that? Would you would you have said, you know, ah, I'll trade I'll trade Durant being out in the first round for a random game in Denver on a back-to-back. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do it. No matter where it is. Um and no offense to Denver, that's just that's just the first team that came to mind. So, that's my opening rant on rest uh i i laid my case for defense let me know what you think my twitter is at crispy 1132 chrispy1132 you can also find me on facebook by s- just searching chris Platy. that's p-l-a-t-t-e is how you spell the last name uh so let's get into a fan q a i got a lot of fan q a um i got a lot of questions to answer a lot of great great questions uh, i'm definitely gonna do this again because There was was a lot of them that I really liked and some I had to cut short because of time. So just know I will be doing another fan Q&A. This is far from the last. I love the turnout. Absolutely astounded by that. So without further ado, let's get into it. And be sure to follow everyone who submitted a question to the Q&A. And thank you everyone who did. So let's get it started. So the first is from Art Thompson at Paps1203. And um, again, that's actually that's actually my uncle. So I love answering his hoop questions. Uh, we had, we had the best we had the best hoops conversation. So he got he got me started with a few. Um, so the first one is which will happen first: an NBA team breaks the Lakers' 33-game winning streak, or a player scores 100 points in a game. Now this is interesting because the Lakers streak has technically been broken because of Golden State last year when they went on that 20, I believe it was, was it 6 or 8? I can't remember it now, but they, they won 26 or, or 8 in a row, but they actually beat the Lakers record because uh, because it stretched back to last regu- the previous regular season as well, and so they actually beat the Lakers record um, by like a game or two, I, I believe. I, I, I'll have to double check on that. But uh, regardless, I don't count it in my books. To me, it has to be in, in the same season. But, um technically, by NBA standards, if in fact, uh, if in fact, I'll, I'll have to double check after the pod, but it, it might it might have counted. Um, so either way, um, I definitely think the Lakers streak is is the first to be broken of the two, the more likely to be broken. Um, I, I just I just think so many perfect things have to have to happen for a player to score more than 60 points, let alone a hundred. Uh, Kobe's 81 was just so many right things a terrible Toronto defense a terrible Lakers offense that had to rely on Kobe and a terrible Lakers team overall that uh they were so terrible that despite Kobe scoring 81 the game was very very close so to me it so many things have to go right and also we're in this era where we're so conscious of minutes and uh and all those and all those restrictions. So to me I'm not saying I'm not saying it's impossible because I'm of the mindset nothing is impossible, but to me I don't even know if Kobe's 81 is even possible anymore let alone Wilt's 100. I think I think Kobe's 81 was the ultimate just like the ultimate set of circumstances. And to me those circumstances have to occur and a player has to be even hotter than that for it to for it to break, I mean, Clay Thompson, we saw this year, had the most efficient 60 I think we've ever seen, he took something like 11 dribbles, so, uh, to me, it was, it was very, it was very, very interesting, and Clay, Clay is a guy, is the type of guy, I think, who could break it, just because, um, just because of how efficiently he scores, same with Steph, same with Kevin Durant, but to me, the Warriors are just so good that they're, that it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen again. They're not gonna get a player score their KD Curry or Clay are not gonna score one hundred. Uh, uh maybe Russ is likely with his crazy mindset to just go off for a hundred and he just seems to never have such thing as a as an empty tank. I mean the guy is going full throttle play after play after play back to back or not. It's it's amazing his motor. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in my life. Uh so that that Westbrook Motor is, is is something that I think gives him a shot at it. Uh but yeah, I don't I just don't see it happening, man. I just don't see it happening. Not unless they change the rules and add four and five point lines and shit like that. But we'll we'll see. So another question he sent me is why aren't there more dominant big big men slash centers in the NBA today? And I'm so glad he brought this up because I think the NBA is in a career renaissance. It's almost like these guys are the Lil Yachty mumble rap, mumble rap, Sorry, wave of the NBA. If I can make a comparison to hip hop, uh, shout out to Strictly Hip Hop, my hip hop podcast. The shameless plug on my own podcast, but I drop a hip hop podcast every Thursday, so stay tuned for those. And sometimes, sometimes a little extra ones are sprinkled in. But anyways, what I mean by that. And before I go any further, I am not a fan of mumble rap. Let me get that clear before anyone starts to uh, make assumptions. But, anyways, th- what I mean by this comparison is that this, there's the centers are these new, are are this new style of play. Just like the little Yachtys in them are this new style of rap. They're they're kind of fun because they can shoot and they can dribble and they can um, just like just like these mumble rappers can uh, just kind of rap over these like almost happy trap type beats. And to me, uh, to me, I, I get why the basketball peers don't like it because they're like they don't post up. Well, if you ask me, why is it why is it bad to be more than one dimensional? Personally, I think it's super fun to watch these giants do what barely six foot guys can do. Uh, to me, it's fascinating. Guys like Anthony Davis, Jokic, Towns, these guys are like are like centers. Or are like point guards trapped in a center's body? It's so interesting to me. Like, why wouldn't you want to see that? And so I'm gonna take that NBA center renaissance uh, term to another level. And basically, the center position outside of outside of a few years in the 90s and the late 80s has never been better. If you look at the trajectory of the centers in this league, Towns, Przingis, Embiid, Jokic, David or Davis sorry Cousins, Drummond, Whiteside, Gobert um, I know that Przingis and Davis technically play power forward but they basically they basically play center in a way um, so so I'm including them in this list and if you look at others like DeAndre Jordan, Marcus Soule you just realize how good this position is and let's not forget about solid guys like Howard, Horford, Valanchunas I'm probably even forgetting some more but my point is that there is a lot of depth at the center position. It's actually never been better. Cause I'm even leaving out guys like Biombo, who contributed majorly to the Raptors in the playoff run last year. Abaka, who plays power forward but's likely gonna play a lot of center in um, in Toronto. And Noel, who who knows what we could what we could see out of this kid from uh in from Dallas. And Mason Plumley, who's a great backup in. In Denver, uh, he was a he was a quality starting center. He's playmaker. a He's rim runner. Uh, Nurkic, who actually got traded for Plumlee, interestingly enough, these guys are all very serviceable big men. Now, as far as the dominant big men go, um, because I know that was that was like the main point of the question, uh, I can name a bunch of dominant big men in today's NBA. It's just to me they don't dominate the way or or the way they dominate is just different. Like Gobert is a dominant center. He's an all-time great rim protector. But that that's not what the common eye catches. So he's not he's not a guy getting 30 20 plus points on on the block every game. He's not that guy, but he's just as impactful because he is protecting the rim at an all-time level. I mean, he 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 is actually statistically speaking by the advanced metrics one of the best rim protectors the game has ever seen, but that's not again. That's not what the common eye catches. Or DeAndre Jordan, one of the greatest divers to the basket slash roll man we have ever seen. Why do you think the Clippers get so many open threes? Why is JJ Redick always open in the corner? Why? It's because it's because they had DeAndre has this like gravitational force, and he when he rolls to a basket you have to send an extra man otherwise it's a lob and a dunk every time and so there are these things that are just different they're not they're not dominating by the post they're finding new ways to dominate the game um you know even guys like even guys like anthony davis and cousins like they're dominating the game from the three-point line and from passing in in the post in the high post and everything and, and being these pick and pop options so to me, I think the NBA is at a renaissance in terms of center position, and I also think that I also think that it, they are dominating just in, in different in different ways. Uh, so so that was a great question. Uh, the next question I got from him, the last question I got from him is, who is presently the best passer in the NBA? Now this one is kind of tricky because LeBron to me is the best playmaker. I don't know if that means he's the best passer. Because strictly on passing skills and angles, I would have to say CP3, but I actually think LeBron is a better overall playmaker because of his rotational gravitation. Again, the same thing I was talking about with DeAndre, where when DeAndre rolls the basket, everybody sucks in. And same with LeBron, when he's posting up or driving to the basket, everybody sucks in and you know takes an extra step off their man on the three-point line. And so it it frees up so many different passing lanes, allowing him to make more plays. But at this point, I'm just kind of nitpicking. Uh, LeBron or CP3 would be my answer. Uh, To me, can't go wrong with either. Harden I would put in there, but uh, I just don't like his turnovers. I know LeBron is also averaging, like, I think it's a career high in turnovers this year 4.3 I believe or 4.8 and then I think Harden's averaging 5.3 so there's not that much of a difference but uh, to me if Harden just cut down those if Harden just cut down those uh, those turnovers just just a tad I think that that would make a difference and I would put I would put Harden in that category but he's certainly right outside of the category um okay so the next uh the next question is from Chris Phillips that's at Chris Phillips three it's at chris phillips underscore three on twitter uh what would be the most intriguing in parentheses realistic first round playoff matchup i still say houston and okc Russ versus harden is a great great series i would pay to see seven games of that that'd be fantastic plus the clash of styles it would be very interesting because with houston i wonder how they would play against a strong big front line And I actually think it would be more of a problem against OKC than Memphis, even though Memphis's front line is better, OKC front line has more athleticism that can match the pace of the Rockets. So to me, it it would be very interesting because that's the one thing that I'm worried about when it comes to the Rockets' uh, quote-unquote contender status is how they play when the game is slowed down, how they play against bigger uh, teams, how they use their lack of size to their advantage, or does it hinder them? Like, it kind of hindered the Warriors a few years ago versus Memphis when Memphis took that 2-1 lead and kind of punched Golden State in the mouth. Uh, But in the East, I also think Detroit versus Boston would be a good matchup. Uh, It's it's a possibility. Uh, Detroit has started to pull it together. Boston has had some rough postseason stretches these last few years, plus Isaiah Thomas in the playoffs won't be as good as the regular season Isaiah. That's just my sneaky under-the-radar story. Uh you know guys of that size of that frame guys like curry who's taller but but then uh those guys seem to struggle in the playoffs and because you have you have uh more defensive sorry more defensive game planning for those players which uh which hinders their offense as well as just the physical toll like that's why lebron james is the best player in the league because quite simply put he can physically dominate the game. Curry can only dominate by scoring. That's why Curry was that's why Curry even though he had that great regular season should have never been called the best player in the NBA because he can't dominate the way LeBron can physically. LeBron can physically impose himself on on whatever team he wants. Curry can really just if he's not hitting his shot, which is very rare cuz Curry's an excellent shooter, but outside of his uh, shooting, he really doesn't contribute as much as LeBron. Um so that's kind of a mini rant, but it ties it ties in with the theme of players, not just players that aren't physically capable of dominating the series. So uh, the next the next question is from David Plowski, at David Plowski, uh, if Curry played in the late 80s, early 90s with hand checks, physical play, etc., how big of a hit would his game take? And I just kind of talked about some of this, but he, in my opinion, he'd be about 75% of what he is. It would slow him down, but not make him just utterly useless like some people think. I think the bigger hit would be on his availability more so than his game. Um, to me, a jump shot is a jump shot. You can make it, or you, uh, you, if you can make a jump shot 30 years from now, you can make a jump shot now. So to me, that that's kind of whatever era you're in. A jump shot is a jump shot to me. But um, the, the availability is interesting because small guys in the NBA in that era were some of the best like Isaiah Thomas. Um and let's not act like let's not act like John Stockton is all that different in body type. Not to mention Curry's also great at steals like him. Uh, but in my opinion, Curry would still be a, a a premier threat because nobody in the league at that time could shoot the ball like Steph Curry. And defenses would have a hard time adjusting uh the dip the dip in his game would be at finishing at the rim in my opinion. Because even though he's been one of the best finishers at the rim statistically over the last three years, the paint was way more physical back then. Also, another point to Steph is that screens were way more physical in that era, so those screens would likely lead to even more open shots and some better looks. Um, you know, I, and, and by more open shots, I don't mean I don't mean literally more open shots uh, because to the way today today's offense in the nba is kind of almost mastered to create these wide open shots not saying he would get more open looks but is but he he could get more separation easier because of these more physical screens cuz a lot of the screens back then that were normal would definitely definitely be illegal uh in today's nba and lastly the defense defensively speaking the league wasn't as smart back then so this Kyrie and LeBron pick and roll that forced Steph to switch was a huge reason why Steph's offense dipped in the finals, and a huge reason why they lost. Um, obviously, it wasn't the only factor. There was a lot of factors in Steph's, um, in Steph's offensive dip, uh, a main one being Cleveland's fantastic defense against Steph, switching uh, Thompson and switching uh, Shumpert on him, and just, uh, just playing him very physical, but... Again, I actually think that defense might have been less less taxing in this era for Steph Curry. I don't know if I'm if I'm true in that statement, but from a general standpoint, it seems like maybe he would be uh, less he would be less exploited on defense. Um, also there was a lot less isolation ball back then. So uh, speaking of speaking of that as well, uh, Steph Curry would wouldn't be like targeted as much on defense is, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, So the second question he asked is, who would be the top five players of all time who could play in any era? I really like this question. Had a really hard time deciding, so I actually named like seven people, but Magic, MJ, LeBron, CP3, Shaq, Wilt, Kevin Garnett, and Kareem are like, to me, the the top guys who could compete in any, any era. Um, My five active players who could play in any era are LeBron. CP3, Russ, Jimmy Butler, and Kawhi, and a shout out to Dwayne Wade too. Not obviously this Dwayne Wade, but the Dwayne Wade career could have lasted in I th- I think in in the earlier years too, in the earlier eras, because Dwayne Wade was just so great at attacking the rim. They didn't really defend jump shots that well back in the day, as well. Another point to why I think Steph's game wouldn't dip as much as people seem to think, but again. Again, Dwayne Wade would be—he has the athleticism, the strength. He he has the size to compete on the physical toll that the old eras uh, would would bring on him, and he also just has the the style of game as one of the greatest um, as one of the greatest finishers at the rim. Uh, Dwayne Wade is going to be able to compete in any era, in my opinion. Um, at Noah Lofton. Noah friend of the podcast shout out to Noah Laughman hasn't been on the podcast hope you come back soon buddy but uh he did give me some food for thought I really like this question so if the Clippers lose in the first round to the Jazz what changes do you predict will happen in the organization this summer so to me I, I think if a first round exit even though Utah is great a first round exit just has to be the last straw um I, I honestly don't even know if at this point a second round uh, a second round exit is good enough for for the Clippers, um, just because even though I don't expect them to get anywhere anywhere past the second round, uh, I I still think that I'll, they got to be looking at this team and they got to be saying okay, it's been like five years, this core just really is good, and you know maybe in, in a year like '04 where some things happen. Uh, where the 0-4 Pistons just were kind of like this outlier team um, Maybe years like that Things ca- they ca- things can break right And they can slip in and win a title that was, that was really their only shot from the beginning Was they were a team that was good enough to win a title But needed breaks And you know a- almost every team needs breaks So that's not a knock against the Clippers But that's just the way this team has been constructed The way this team is built And the level of talent that this team has So uh, to me, though, I think I think some changes need to be made. Now, what changes, I don't exactly know. I think Chris Paul's staying there. I'd love to see Chris Paul go, go and work with uh, Boogie and Davis, man. That would be, that would be a hell of a, a reunion in New Orleans. Plus, not to mention, uh, Boogie and Davis is like Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan 2.0, if you'll allow me to say that. So that would be very interesting. Chris Paul would definitely be the type of guy that puts DeMarcus Cousins in his place uh but yeah so I don't think Chris Paul will be traded um I do think however that DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin are certainly on the table Blake I think loves LA um I know Blake and Chris Paul seem to at least from the outside looking in Blake and Chris Paul seem to be the two that fight the most of the three um granted that it's been it's been well documented that the three-man relationship with Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin isn't exactly perfect. Um, they definitely fight a lot and everything, but it seems like by all reports that Blake and CP3 are at most contrast with each other. But I just think when it comes down to it, Blake and CP3 are the two best players on this team, and that you don't you don't want to get rid of you don't want to get rid of two of the three. And with with Blake and CP3, you can still be in the playoffs pretty much every year. Uh, for the next few years, and you know maybe you can find somebody that DeAndre Jordan developed a lot under Doc Rivers. Maybe Doc Rivers can kind of hit the lottery again. Trade trade DeAndre for some assets, and by hit the lottery, I don't mean like the draft lottery. I mean like just strike gold with a center that can fill up DeAndre Jordan's shoes because DeAndre was a second round pick, and believe it or not, there are a lot of athletic centers out there. Uh, They just got to be, they just got to be capable of developing and, and becoming more well-rounded like DeAndre has, because DeAndre was super raw when he came into the league, Uh, first few years under Vinny Del Negro, he grew, but then Doc Rivers, he really just kind of took that next step, and so, uh, who knows, maybe they can, maybe they can find a, a nice center, acquire some, some wing help, which is what has always been the flaw of, of the Clippers, but you know, it's it's interesting because they're one of their lineup of JJ Reddick, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan has been like the best one of the best plus fours of the last like three years. So it it's very it's very interesting that they're so good, they're just not good enough, not in this era, not with these teams. Uh so yeah, I, I predict that the Clippers will break up. On the flip side, if the Jazz lose I think that opens the door for Gordon Hayward walking. I think if Hayward in, in the Jazz, Hayward seems to be a loyal guy. So I think if the Jazz win, the even a first round matchup, I think I think uh, Hayward will look at this situation, be like, okay, I can stay here, and and he'll commit to a long term deal with the Jazz. But if not, I think he could be heading to Boston or somewhere else. Um, Boston, I know, is reportedly very interested in him, but. I I don't see I don't see him leaving if Utah gets out of the first round. Um, second question he sent me was who is the toughest matchup for Cleveland in the Eastern Conference? Can I say no one? Can I say no one? No. Um. To me, it's it's the Raptors. Uh, I know that they kind of toyed with the Raptors last year. The Raptors got two games on them, but they kind of toyed with the Raptors last year. So it's not. It's not exactly like the Raptors. It's not like the Raptors really took them to six games. If you think about it, they didn't really, they didn't really take the Cavs to six. But um, the Wizards would also be very interesting, just because John Wall uh, is just so sensational that, uh, and and this Wizards team is playing so well together. Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, they have some nice wings. Of course, Bradley Beal, um, they they have some real nice firepower. And Otto Porter, not to mention, has been so damn sneaky good and he is just a defensive ace as well as a a, a really really super efficient player and they kind of came out of nowhere so that were that that would tend to give me a pause as far as as far as Washington versus Cleveland I think that Washington could get a game I don't think anything more than a game but I think Washington would definitely be their toughest I just don't see Isaiah Thomas scoring 30 a game when they throw Shumpert on him and, you know, play play rough with him and then and then it's and then it's essentially Al Horford and can Al Horford, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley get you a game against LeBron, Kyrie, and, you know, and, and Kevin Love? I think not. So, if the Cavs are healthy, which they're not right now, but if they're fully healthy, uh, I don't think anyone really poses a big threat. I think the Wizards and Raptors could each get a game, but that's about it. Okay, so the next few questions I got are from Hunter Lega at Hunter Lega. Uh, shout out the commissioner of our fantasy league, by the way. So shout out uh, K Love Special Sauce and shout out Team Off the Hen like Harden. My team going all the way at the number one seed. We're on a buy. We're on a buy this week, so we're just kind of resting. We're just kind of resting, you know pacing ourselves for the championship. But uh, anyways, he asked, is the Greek freak the next LeBron? Now, let's stop with these comparisons to all-time greats. I don't want to hear Ben Simmons is the next LeBron. Not saying I don't think anyone will ever be an all-time great again, but let's just, as a society, stop trying to compare new generation players to previous generation greats. How about we just appreciate their uniqueness? How about we appreciate the uniqueness of LeBron both on and off the court what lebron is doing off the court business-wise is just as impressive as what he does on the court and the way he makes every everybody better on his team uh so to me it's fine to compare players that are average or solid or good like avery bradley or even great uh hall of fame level players like manu or pierce like like you can you can compare to them uh, but I I just like little bronze, the MJ's, the creams. I I don't like it. I don't like comparing nineteen year olds to the goats. So let's stop. Um, and the Greek freak is I know like twenty one, maybe twenty two at this point. Um, but still, let's not compare these guys to the goats unless at the end of the day. Uh, unless at the end of the day, the Greek freak really is on LeBron's level. He's a fantastic player, but. And I get, and I get where he's coming from too, from this perspective of Hunter is saying essentially that like the Greek Freak does everything like a LeBron James, and that's very true. That's very true, and I'm not disputing that. But I'm just saying let's let's stop comparing to the all-time greats. Let's just appreciate the Greek Freak for the uniqueness that he has, and LeBron for the uniqueness that he has. But yes, Greek Freak is on his way to being one of the best players in the NBA. And he actually had a follow-up question that kind of ties in with that. And so, who will be the face of the NBA once LeBron is gone? My answer is simply I don't know because I feel like LeBron has at least 5 years left, maybe 7. So I think he outlasts KD, Steph, Russ, Harden, etc. because LeBron is such a presence that he will be the face of the league until until the day he retires. So My answer is I don't know. I look at a lot of young guys like the Greek Freak, like Towns, like Jokic, and Bede, etc. And I'm not sure any of them are faces of the league caliber because to me there are certain requirements to be the face of the league. You have to have a strong narrative. You have to have mass popularity and acceptance. And you have to have a personality that can capture and embody the entire NBA. And that's hard to do. Some people just don't have that persona, don't have that personality. And very few people have this strong narrative that can allow them to. LeBron, you know, has such a great story about coming up from Akron, you know, uh, with a single mother and, you know, now he, him and his friends are rich as hell because they, because he trusted his day one, his day one friends and, you know, they, and they've all succeeded together both on and off the court, which is very, very interesting. So to me, well... Again, LeBron James is unique, and I don't know if anyone will ever outlast him as the face of the NBA until the day he retires. Uh, the truth of the matter is, maybe the face of the league, the next face of the league, is not even in the league yet, um, because depending on how long you believe LeBron's guys will run, I think he's in for a long run. So we'll see. Uh, the last question he asked is, what if the Pistons would have drafted Devin Booker instead of Stanley? How would their roster be different? This is interesting because there's layers. The short answer is right now the Pistons will be much better. That's just a fact. And uh, for the record, it was confirmed that on draft, and this was confirmed on draft night, that Booker was second on the board to Stanley uh, over even Justice Winslow, who was highly scrutinized at the time. The Pistons, rather, were highly scrutinized for not taking uh, Justice Winslow at that time. But the second part is, Is the Pistons major looming question of KCP's contract this offseason? And how would Booker impact that decision? Well, it depends on if you believe the two can play together. In theory, Devin Booker would be an amazing six-man gunner off the bench, but he needs to be a starter on some team. So can you start KCP and Devin Booker together, or at least play them together significant time? I don't think so. I don't like KCP... At the three for longer than a few minutes in extreme lineup case scenarios although I really think KCP is an underrated ball handler and playmaker he still is nowhere near the ball handler uh, and nowhere near that caliber to be a point guard in this league so also a side note Booker and Reggie would be horribly defensively both have major struggles on that end of the floor uh, and the last thing is let's not give up on Stanley's the kid the kid is 20 He can't he can't even legally drink in America yet. He's got so much time to grow uh, I, I Still believe that KCP and Stanley Johnson as a 2-3 wing combination in about three to five years is at the very least a defensive force I mean they could wreak havoc on each team that could be two top five wing defenders in the NBA um, who knows if both players will figure it out offensively? That's a major question. Uh, but the defensive, the, the defensive side of the ball looks definitely promising. Uh, but but to me, if they can figure out offensively how to play, if, if Stanley can develop a game and KCP could just develop consistency, which I know is a very hard thing to do. But if he can, he he has actually improved on his consistency. Uh, but he, he's still far from being, uh, a great consistent player. Uh, but KCP and Booker can play together. If it, now that I don't think that KCP and Booker can play together, the question becomes who would you rather have KCP or Devin Booker? To me, I'm taking KCP because as great a scorer as Booker is, and even though he's younger than KCP, KCP is what is an even better defender than Devin Booker is a scorer and i mean to me he's got to be like a top 5 to 10 wing defender right now in the league with room to move up that list and like i said paired with stanley that could be a very dangerous combination uh moving mm-hmm. forward and people don't think that and, and and this is another thing people don't think that booker won't get a larger contract than kcp in a few years so all you're doing is essentially delaying the money that you have to pay which you know i guess isn't worst thing to do but do we really think that Devin Booker is going to make less money than KCP will this offseason no way no way KCP's contract versus Devin Booker's next contract Devin Booker's next contract is going to be a lot bigger than KCP's a lot bigger so that that's for all the people complaining about the salary cap issue of KCP so uh another question I got is from Will Gill at I am underscore Will Gill Who is your league MVP and why? I'll make this quick. Harden, he's too damn good. His team is one of the lead stories of the year. And he's super efficient despite the high turnovers. He's even more efficient than Russ, who I think is one of the other. And LeBron and Kawhi are sneakily in there. Uh, I I would say that right now my rating would go 1 Harden, 2 Kawhi. Three LeBron, four Russ, because LeBron has been very efficient, having like a career-like year, even for LeBron standards, which is very, very impressive, shooting great from the three-point line. Really, the only flaw is his 68% free-throw shooting percentage. That's got to improve, but other than that, LeBron is putting up fantastic numbers and being highly efficient. Uh, The second question he asked is, can the Pelicans find out, or figure out, sorry, Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins combo yes both are guards trapped in center's body with freakish talents I've said that before and I'll continue to say it the only issue is the attitudes and is Gentry the right coach to me I'm not sure I'm not sold on Alvin Gentry being the right coach but I'm also not I don't think I'm I'm where everybody else is saying like they gotta can him right now I get that you only got a year and a half to win Cousins over, but I'm not I'm not entirely sure he's not the guy yet. I, I I don't I'm not sold he is the guy, but I'm also not sold that he's not the guy. That can figure it out. And you know, when you have when you have centers like Davis and Cousins and Alvin Gentry is known for getting the best out of guards. So, I think that if if he can maximize the guards and, and Russ or sorry, not Russ Davis and Boogie can just do their thing then who knows maybe maybe the Pelicans really are on the path to contention very fast uh, another question I got is from Noah Gikiri I believe is how you say it sorry Noah if I mispronounce your name at Noah Gikiri and what seed will the Piston finish and who will they face um to me I predict they finish with the sixth and play Washington Detroit is kind of rolling with momentum. Uh, I do think that Washington is a bad matchup for uh, for the Pistons. I would prefer Boston because of, like I said earlier, Isaiah Thomas of the regular season won't be Isaiah of the playoffs. Just like Curry, histor- and historically speaking, those small guards uh, struggle in the postseason. So also, it's different when teams can full-on game plan for you. Again, all things I've said before, but I just wanted to reiterate I will admit Horford is a problem for Drummond, but not as bad as John Wall and Bradley Beal will be for the Pistons because the Pistons only have one KCP to defend. Um, you know, I'm I'd much rather I'd much rather put faith in Avery Bradley going off versus Bradley Beal, or or John Wall going off as opposed to Bradley Beal. Like you have KCP can only guard one of them. And KCP, as great as he is, like those players are great, they're not going to be shut down. They're still going to contribute. They're just not going to contribute to an elite level. And so Reggie Jackson's got to guard one of Bradley Beal or John Wall, and that's going to be a huge, huge problem for the Pistons in the playoffs. Uh, so that's why, that's why I'd much prefer Boston if I was Detroit. But um, to me, it seems it seems more than likely with the way Pistons are starting to figure it out. That I think that they jump to the 6th seed because Indiana's just been too inconsistent, and I think Washington will stay at the three, and that will that will be the first round matchup for the Detroit Pistons. Okay, just a few more questions. Uh, Braden at Braden Delmeida. what would have happened had the Pistons drafted Wade or Bosch? Which he spelled wrong, by the way. B O S C H. Come on, Braden. Come on, dude. Uh. Bosh and Wade would have fit excellent with the Pistons, both in terms of attitude and styles of play. Wade could create off the dribble, get to the basket with some ease, uh, with ease, something that Detroit never really had outside of Chauncey, who was good but not great at that. Also, Bosh off the bench to pair with Rasheed and Ben, that would be a monstrous uh, three-man rotation, not to mention a three-man big rotation with two Hall of Famers. Yes, Ben Wallace and Chris Bosh should be in the Hall of Fame, Get over it if you don't think if you don't think so. I know each have shaky cases, but Ben was one of the best defenders in NBA history, and Bosh had uh, even though he has this lung issue, he's an 11-time All Star, averaging 20 and nine something around there, and he's he he's just a Hall of Famer, man. So get well soon, Bosh. That's a little side note, but um, I would I would say that there there is some interesting variables to this, like what happens to Rashid or Rip had they drafted Wade or Bosch. Another small thing that I take is that I take seriously and I don't believe the Pistons I w- I don't believe the Pistons would guarantee win the title without Darko. I know that sounds crazy, but hear me out here. Detroit's championship in 04 was an all time what if variable of just kinda everything going right. Shaq and Kobe fighting, all that all those things led to Detroit winning that championship in 04 was the most like I don't want to call it fluky but it was the most what-if variable championship I think we've ever seen the most outlier championship we've ever seen and I believe that chemistry was just as important as talent uh to that team in, in context I don't think I have ever in my life seen a team play as complete as that 04 Pistons team did and I think that's a huge part of of I think a huge part of them playing so well together is chemistry not saying that Wade or Bosch are bad guys because they're actually probably two of the the greatest humans in this league right now. But I'm saying maybe O4 was just the right amount of guys, the right guys gelling at the right time, and who knows what the Pistons do in that situation. Although the course of the Pistons would be much better off long term in the future, so that's that's indisputable. So I'm not saying I'm not saying I would pass on in hindsight. I would. I would still draft Darko over Wade or Bosch. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe 4 doesn't happen the way it happened, but also Detroit could have maybe won in 5 had they had Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosch. So, you know, there, there there's a lot of variables to that question. Uh, he also followed up with, how many teams are there and who has the biggest shoe size in NBA history? Dude, come on. This is why your first-round roadkill and you're getting smacked by 110-1 right now. This is, why, this is why you're roadkill. Shout out Braden Delmeta, by the way. Um, last question, and I'll get out of here. Uh, at Beanitz and uh, this is Brad Knitter, uh, my good friend Beanets. He's a rapper. At Beanets, follow him on Twitter. And do you think when you dunk a basketball that it should be worth more or less than two points? Follow-up question. Should they add a seventh spot on the roster for a goalkeeper, but only defend against the slam dunking? I know what you're thinking. There's only five spots on the floor. How did you get to seven? My proposal is making the coaches suit up and play two. I'm all I'm all on board for this. I would love to see these coaches play in the NBA today. I would I this would be fun. This would be fun. It it would remind me of that trampoline basketball sport. I forget what it was called. I think it was called like slam ball or something. Uh it was it was popular in like the two thousands and then it kinda it kinda died out. But um Man, this this would be fun. This would be fun, and a, a dunk a dunk should be worth. I bound I debate back and forth between two and two and a half points because it's very impressive to dunk a basketball. I'm just gonna be honest with you; it's very impressive. Uh, if a layup's worth two, a dunk should be two point five. So let's just totally throw the NBA in chaos. Let's have a two point five dunk, uh, and we'll have seven people on the floor at all time including coaches and a goalkeeper that just sits on the rim. Let's do it. I'm all in. Sign me up for it. All right. As you can see, guys, this is this is wrapping up uh, really quickly here. So thank you guys for tuning in. I didn't think this was going to be as long as it was, but I'm glad I did it. This was a fun podcast, a very fun podcast. Thank you to everyone who participated in the fan Q&A. Once again, please go follow. If you don't follow already, those people Uh, And thank you for submitting questions. Uh, Again, I had some questions that, unfortunately, because of time constraints, I didn't get to. But um, continue to submit me questions. And hopefully your question will make the next podcast. Uh, Thank you to all my friends and fans who competed. Or not competed, but submitted questions, rather, to the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is Strictly Hoop Talk. And, again, I have a Strictly Hip Hop podcast podcast coming out Thursday and I got some actually some major stuff coming for strictly hip hop soon. Uh I was just on off the bench recently of Dead End Sports and Dead End Hip Hop. Um I was on their their podcast off the bench so go check that out um at Dead End Sports. You'll find you'll find a link to the the latest podcast. I believe it's up now. If not it's coming up very shortly. So stay tuned for that. And once again thank you guys for Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at crispy 1132 That's C-H-R-I-S-P-Y 1132. I will have a link to both my Podbean and iTunes, whichever you prefer to listen to my podcast on. And as always, rate and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because these fan Q&As were great and if you if these same people start leaving reviews if you guys leave more reviews i will read the reviews on air so please 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 leave reviews that's how advertisers see me that's how companies see me that's how that's how it, it that really helps get me out there is is the reviews more so than even the subscribes or the hits is the the reviews so please leave a nice review leave a five star review on itunes or follow me on podbean and shout me out on podbean thank you guys for tuning in Once again, this is Strictly Hoop Talk NBA Fan Q&A Podcast, my first ever one. I'm glad to do it, and thank you guys for tuning in.